The following podcast was recorded in the midst of a rapidly changing situation. For the latest information on coronavirus, please visit the Centers for Disease Control website, cdc.gov. An expanding medical crisis across China and around the globe. What you need to know about the Wuhan coronavirus and its effects on our industry. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is a special edition of Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. By now, certainly everyone listening to this podcast is aware that in December 2019, doctors in the city of Wuhan in China's Hubei province diagnosed a new strain of respiratory virus spreading rapidly throughout that city's population. This novel coronavirus, dubbed 2019-NCOV, also known as the Wuhan coronavirus, has since spread across China with tens of thousands of people infected and hundreds of deaths. The virus has also spread beyond China's borders, with hundreds infected across the continents of Asia, Australia, Europe, and North America. The severity of this situation led NBAA, its partners, and co-sponsors in the annual Asian Business Aviation Conference and Exhibition to cancel the 2020 edition of ABASE that had been scheduled to take place in Shanghai in late April. Many other large events scheduled for the same period across China and the Asia-Pacific region have been similarly canceled or postponed. With all that said, what do business aviation operators need to know about this situation? Joining us to answer that question is Dr. Robert Haddon, specialist in aerospace medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Also on the line is Dr. David Farney, medical director for the Global Response Center at Medair Worldwide, and Mike Ott, communications and events team leader for the NBAA Safety Committee and captain for international operator Phoenix Air. Dr. Haddon, what are the symptoms of this coronavirus and what are its risks? The majority of cases, the symptoms are fever and cough. These occur in about 80% of cases. In one-third of cases, you also see shortness of breath. Down around the 10% range, there are a number of other symptoms that may or may not be related, and the working clinical diagnosis is made with fever, cough, a history of exposure risk, and laboratory testing. Now, coronaviruses aren't new or particularly rare. In fact, they're among the types of viruses behind the common cold. How does this one appear to be different? You are correct. The coronaviruses are part of our normal flora, and there are four common human coronaviruses uh, that cause typically minor upper respiratory infections. These are called coronaviruses because of their appearance under an electron microscope. The protein uh, attachments make them look like little crowns. We've known about them since the 1960s. We are in a stable equilibrium reasonably with our own coronaviruses, but as the mammals evolved into different lineages, the old uh, coronaviruses evolved along with the mammalian uh, lines such that every species of mammal uh, may have its own particular coronavirus that they are similarly relatively stable with. However, the coronaviruses can jump species to species that are less used to them, if you will. So for example, 
in the history of SARS, which broke out uh, in 2003. Uh, we think now that the SARS virus uh, comes from originally bats, but got into humans via a cat-like mammal called a civet. Similarly, MERS, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, uh, jumps over to humans by uh, camels. It's also thought to have come from bats. The working theory now is that in the market in Wuhan, where there were animals for sale, uh, there may have been a concentration of a um, an animal coronavirus that humans are not used to and uh, is still capable of infecting us, uh, but with a higher degree of severity. Dr. Farney, there have been reports the Wuhan coronavirus may not only be spread person to person, but possibly transmitted by someone who displays no symptoms of the virus. Is that the case? Well, we can see that in others as well. With regards to this outbreak, it's still to be determined. We're still early on. There was a, a reported case, as many be aware, in Germany of potential transfer of an asymptomatic uh, business person who had traveled to Germany, but uh, that now is being refuted, uh, may have had symptoms at the time of contact. So I think still to be determined, there may be asymptomatic transfer. And I think it, it should be noted that it, it doesn't appear at this stage based on the, the transmission and uh, how it's grown that this virus does mutate uh, extremely well. It does not appear that to be the case. It seems to be genetically stable, that, but that's still to be determined. Mike, how have we seen world governments, and particularly the U.S. and China, respond to this crisis, and what are authorities advising regarding travel to China and other affected areas? Well, inside China, they have instituted movement bans within the country where there are significant enough outbreaks the Chinese will isolate that particular region or city from the rest of China and make it difficult for their population to move about and, in theory, then transfer the disease and in any significant way to other regions. From without China, the uh, Russian government, for example, has uh, cut off all train service between Russia and China, except for the one main line between Beijing and Moscow. The, uh, the United States has uh, implemented the president's direction to refuse entry into the United States of any foreign citizen who has been in Wuhan and Hubei province at, uh, within the last two weeks. If you're a U.S. citizen, you're allowed to enter, but you're required to enter into quarantine for two weeks after your entry into the United States. The Canadian government has instituted a quarantine of anyone who's been in Wuhan in the last two weeks, uh, even the flight crews of the aircraft that were coming back to rescue Canadians. There have been a number of evacuation flights out of Wuhan conducted by the United States, as we've seen by Canada, by the French, by the British, by the South Koreans, by the Japanese. And those were initially to secure, uh, in large part, their diplomatic personnel. There are a number of foreign consulates in Wuhan. It's a city of 11 million people. And so they're going to have a significant diplomatic presence. And one of the things that they tend to do is to then offer spare seats on those evacuation flights to other citizens of their country in the region. And generally, the embassies will make that uh, movement known and ask for people to apply for the available seats. We're talking about an extremely large portion of China affected by this coronavirus, Mike, and one in which a substantial amount of international business is conducted and continues to take place. 
What precautions should travelers take to avoid being infected? I would suggest that Skype or some other remote communication means would be the best means of avoiding uh, contact with the virus. If you are on an aircraft and you need to travel or the aircraft is required to carry someone, for example, who's traveled in that area for the most recent two weeks, there are a number of ways to, to clean an aircraft effectively. This, uh, this particular virus is not very hardy. Um, UV light, for example, um, just kills it. The, so if you have a UV light treatment, it's a medical UV light. It's not just something you can buy at your local hardware store, but a medical UV light decontamination would generally work on these, on these viral strands as would a, uh, an ammonia solution, it's called a quaternary ammonia solution, which kills even the Ebola virus. The Ebola virus is fairly hardy within its environment, and we had a lot to do with that back in 2014 as we began decontaminating our aircraft. And so we have, we have seen these protocols and we know what will, uh, what will have a, a pretty strong effect on these kinds of diseases. It sounds like, just as when we talk about staving off the cold or flu, the simplest precautions may be the most effective, Mike. In general, and I know this is something people say all the time, wash your hands. In the long run, the best means you have of preventing your own exposure to most of these viruses is to avoid transferring it from one of your limbs into your own system by virtue of touching your face without having washed your hands ahead of time. So that's step one. Step two <clears throat> is to be smart about not being hanging out in big crowds. You, If you are in an area where people are displaying those kinds of symptoms or involved in those kinds of activities, you'll want to just keep your distance from them. Distance is another great preventative for this particular virus. It's not gonna fly very far. So those are probably the biggest means, you know, smile and nod, don't shake hands, those kinds of things in, in these kinds of places where the outbreaks are more severe, and just keep yourself aware of your surroundings. Dr. Haddon, what steps would you recommend for someone who suspects they may have contracted this coronavirus? If you suspect that you have contracted the virus and you are in the United States, it is reasonable to contact your local hospital to seek guidance about uh, screening if you become symptomatic. You should stay at home, minimize contact with other people, because if you become symptomatic, you might spread it. The Centers for Disease Control in the United States shipped testing kits to about 100 laboratories around the United States using real-time polymerase chain reaction testing uh, so that we have better ability to do testing. The risk of your infection depends on the plausibility of your exposure. At this point, as the other speakers have said, the overwhelming majority of cases are in Wuhan itself, with some person-to-person -person spread, for example, in a conference in Singapore, and we are seeing some signs of spread on a cruise ship that is currently anchored um, in Japan. If you have not been in one of these situations as of right now, your actual risk is fairly low, but seeking guidance from your local hospital or public health department is appropriate. While this is going on, this season in the United States, we have had 
an estimated 19 million cases of influenza with 180,000 hospitalizations and 10,000 deaths. It is worth keeping this in mind. Both situations are serious, uh, but in comparison to what we have going on all around us with influenza, this still remains to people in the United States a lower risk. In announcing the decision to cancel this year's edition of A-Base in response to this situation, NBAA President and CEO Ed Bolin noted that the association and its partners and co-sponsors in A-Base, quote, have always viewed participating exhibitors, attendees, and government leaders as partners. And as with all NBAA events, their health, safety, and security is always our highest priority. Bolin also emphasized that plans are already underway to make A-Base 2021, scheduled to take place April 13th through 15th next year in Shanghai, the best edition yet. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.